0: This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. All right, go ahead and be seated. We're embarking upon a new series for the next four weekends. And this series is on the heels of the last series, as we've done, called Follower. And I so enjoyed that series. I'm actually going to do kind of a sequel to it in a few weeks that kind of take up another category of things that I think you'll really, really enjoy. But for the next four weekends, I'm going to do a series called Deep Waters. And Deep Waters simply uh, refers to a scripture and an idea in the Bible about worship. We also have a worship event coming up with Darlene Check, who's one of our great friends and great world leaders of worship, but thank God she's a friend of our house, and she will be coming through here doing a worship event on June 2nd, and so that kind of ties in with the series too, so I thought I would just package the whole thing around what we believe and what we do in this area called worship. Now, as I get into this, uh, everyone will be at different levels in worship as you are in prayer, as you are in Bible reading, as you are in knowledge, as you are in every area of growth and spiritual transformation, discipleship, what you're doing with your own life, your habits, uh, the core values you hold, your integrity and your heart, what you're shaping for your life, principles you live by, how's your marriage, how's your children, how's your job, how's your life, how's the fruit of the Spirit, what are you doing with habits, all of that comes into play as you serve Jesus because Jesus is involved with every area of your life. He doesn't just come in to get you to heaven. He comes in to change you while you're on earth. And while you're on earth, he changes you to become more like him. And all the time that Jesus is changing us, he's working on the internal, but the internal comes out in the external. What goes on inside eventually works out, and we begin to see it on the outside. What is the internal thought process will become actions at some point in your life. Whatever is hidden will be revealed at some point in your life. Not hidden revealed as in a negative, hidden revealed sometimes as in a positive. Whatever is going on inside of your internal world, that part of you that's hidden from the human eye, will begin to work itself out in your life with your habits and with your vocab and your confession and the the way you go about life. So it is with worship. The more you understand Jesus the more you simply want to love him. Now worship is all about loving Jesus. It's all about knowing how to give your heart to him in a way that expresses what's in your heart. When you fall in love with someone in the natural, there's a way to express that. Words and actions begin to express how you feel about that person. Whether you're giving her flowers, if it's a guy to a gal and you're beginning to date that particular beautiful species that you believe is for your life, how you treat her, what you say to her, how you express yourself, how you open the door, close the door, where you take her to dinner, the words you use to express how you feel, we call that emotion and hopefully we call it love, that it becomes something really deep. You want to please that person, you want to serve them, you want to help them. You want to make them better. Nothing they would ask if they called you up and said, hey, I know it's four in the morning, but I I missed my ride, I gotta get to the airport. If you love that person, you don't even glance at the clock. You're out of bed, you take them to the airport. Why? Because you love them. Nothing is hard for you to do because you love them. There's an emotion involved here. When it comes to worship, worship starts Not with actions, but with heart. Doesn't start learning how to sing. Music is not necessarily worship. There can be all kinds of music. Secular, spiritual, rock, blues, country, to whatever. Music itself is just a vehicle. It's a train you catch. You pay the fee. You get on. You ride it. But it's it's not the destination. Music itself, or words that you sing, is not necessarily worship. Worship is not worship unless it comes from the heart. So much that Jesus said, if your heart's away from me, keep your words to yourself. That's what he said in Isaiah 1. He said, just keep the words to yourself. I don't want to hear them. They were bringing all kinds of sacrifices and all kinds of wonderful words. And and, and the Old Testament Jehovah just said, you know what? Your heart is so far from me. Keep your sacrifice. Keep your words. I really don't want to hear it. You've missed the whole point. I wanted your heart. I didn't want your sacrifices and all your flowery words. I wanted your heart. Now for you to put your dipstick in as we talk about worship, it's simple. This, this is not complex. It is simple. How is your love relationship with Jesus? And if you have a full cup, if you have a full heart, if you have a, a fullness of expression inside of you where you're, you're just wanting to love him. I don't, I don't know. As I look back, I'm, I'm trying to remember because I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I don't know if anyone ever taught me how to worship in the early days. Now, later on, when I went to some churches that taught on it, I did begin to hear, but that was like two, three, four, five, six, seven years later by the time I was walking with Jesus and water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and reading my Bible and simply loving Jesus. As a Jesus freak, loving Jesus. Not with a lot of knowledge. Definitely not with a lot of doctrine. Although I was raised around church, the doctrine wasn't in me. But I did have an encounter. I met Jesus in a very real way. Changed my life. I can still remember to this day exactly where it happened, how it happened, and what happened. It changed my life. Jesus got me. And when I found Jesus to be different than the Jesus I thought he was. For me, I found a different Jesus. A Jesus that really encounters a person first in their heart, not to tell me, Frank, do this, do that, don't do this. There was none of the do's and don'ts when I encountered Jesus. That was not in the speech he downloaded to me. The speech he downloaded to me was, I love you, I love you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to cleanse you. You are mine. We're going to do great things together. You're going to enjoy this. It was a different Jesus than the one I thought I knew. So when Jesus got a hold of me, even from the very beginning, remember, I'm a Baptist. Never in my life, not ever for 17 years, did I ever lift my hands in church. Ever and I don't remember ever seeing anyone else. Or clapping, there might have been, but not for songs. We were hymnal, and we were hymns. We were the Church of America. I never lifted my hands. I never clapped the songs. And for sure, I never did the odd thing called sing a song of praise. Never heard of it, never did it, didn't know it existed, and didn't know how to do it. Didn't know anything about that. There was no teaching in me about that kind of worship. Not saying that those who sing and don't clap, don't lift is wrong. I'm just saying that I did not know that because that's all I ever did know and when I found some other things in the Bible that let me do that, it was foreign to what I had done before. Nobody taught me to lift my hands. The moment I got filled with the Holy Spirit, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was with my hands lifted up. Now you asked me why. I don't know why. But there was something in me that said, reach out to him. That's what was going on inside me. Just reach out to him. No one taught me that you should kneel and pray. I wanted to kneel. I wanted to cry. I wanted to pray. No one taught me that if you really get zonked, lay down. But I did. Flat on my face, arms straight out, face in the floor. No one taught me now, this is what Isaiah did. I had no idea what Isaiah did. Or anyone else. It was just the expression of my soul had to find a way a way to express what's going on inside of me, whether it's stretching out or kneeling or weeping or laying down on my face. That was the Jesus people movement. Nobody taught us about worship. There was no seminars back in those days. There was no Hillsong. There was no Chris Tomlin. There was, you know, Love Song back in those days, but their songs were evangelistic. We were not taught how to worship. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's so odd. So odd. That we became such a worshiping movement, the Jesus people. But no one taught us the doctrine of worship. Why? You don't need a doctrine when you have the person. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to grow in knowledge. Of course you do. I'm a teacher. I'm a pastor. Of course, I'm going to get into the Bible. But you must first have the person before you have the knowledge. We try to teach passion into people's hearts, where the only way to get it is a relationship. You cannot teach people how to be broken, how to weep, how to pray out of their heart if they don't have a Jesus start. It doesn't work. So, as, as we start talking about worship, worthy is the Lamb. Worthship, worthship. It's giving worthiness to Him, it's showing respect, it's honor, it's adoration, it's love, it's, it's something that is so powerful. Personal and real. but Of course, if, if, if you were anything like me, I went to church for a long time without loving Jesus. Just simply didn't love Jesus. Not sure I even knew him. Knew about him, but I, my heart, wasn't captured by him. My question and my hope is that wherever you are in your journey in in serving Jesus and knowing Jesus and finding Jesus because our church is all about that. We want people to find Christ. We want people to grow in Christ. We want people to be people of heart, not just head. We want people to love freely, not only Jesus, but one another and hopefully the city and everybody outside of Christ, the unsaved, the unchurched, the hurting, the the people that that don't know what to do and don't know how to love properly their their own life. But the more you love Jesus, Jesus is the best counselor. He'll put you together. He'll solve stuff inside of you other people can't solve. To love Jesus means he brings healing where you need healing, in your heart, your mind, your soul. It it means that Jesus begins to love you to what? Wholeness. Wholeness. You become a different person. And when you do, no one has to teach you about worship. No one has to come along and say, okay, are you ready? It's time to lift your hand. Oh, okay. Now, we might, as I say, let's all lift our hands. We might instruct. We might give some, you know, uh, for the river a few banks so that we can all flow together. But I'm not talking about that necessarily that happens once in a while in service. I'm talking about you knowing when. When. Just to love Jesus with lifted hands. Not as a doctrine, but as a love expression. That you would know when. Get to drop to your knees during the service and have your own private revival. Weep your way into the presence of God or take care of business or do whatever you've got to do. No one has to tell you, okay, go ahead, kneel. If you feel to kneel, kneel. You feel to cry, cry. You feel to lift your hands, lift your hands. You feel to sing your song of praise even while we're singing another song. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I'm not singing the words on the screen. I'm singing in my spiritual language. Why? Because that's what I like to do, and Jesus said it's okay. And so I do it. Worship is a matter of the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart, the heart. That's why with young people, you can't teach youth how to worship by instruction. You have to teach them how to worship by helping them find their passion. Once they do that, they'll move right into it. All right, my title, Worship, and I kick this around because I just like titles. I landed on this one Deep Waters, Deep Waters. Yeah. For a number of reasons. One is water is the type, symbol, and usage of the Holy Spirit throughout the whole Bible. There's no, I'll give you a couple thoughts on that, but that's easy. But my, my thought, my thought, that I felt in my spirit was, push out from the shore. Push out, push out. Push yourself out a little bit into the deep. Get, get away from the marshes and the banks and, where you have your footing, push out a little bit. Push out a little bit. In your emotions, in your expressions, push out. So we're talking about deep waters wading deeper into worship, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. All right, here's my first slide. You might want to take this first one down because it kind of sets the stage. I will push past my personal hindrances, distractions, and I'll wait. I try to find another word. Um, I use thesauruses and all that. I think the Holy Spirit likes to use words. He wrote the Bible. So words express something. Try to find another word for words the word wade because that's a thought, but I couldn't find another word that really fit what I'm trying to say. And so the word wade is what I'm trying to say is that you have to kind of wade into the deep. Sometimes that means you get stuck in mud. Sometimes that means you got some stuff on your feet. Sometimes that means it might be a little hard to get yourself moving, but you kind of wade. I'm not even asking you to jump into the deep. I'm asking you to wade Into the deep. Into the deep waters of what? Well, the the one thing that we're all about is Jesus and Jesus is all about presence and so you wade into the deep waters of God's presence. With? Well, the Bible shows me that praise and worship and an open heart has something to do with my waiting, the way I wade in. Had something to do with my prayer, my praise, my worship, my heart, and how I wade in. How I move into God's presence. The one thing that's always melted me is presence, the, the presence of God. I, I would be a lover of God's presence. I love God's presence. I love it individually, personally, corporately, small group, wherever. I love the presence of God. I love, why? Because Jesus is the presence of God. When you talk about, wow, the presence of God was thick there, you're simply saying, Jesus showed up. And Jesus was there, and Jesus is the epitome of God's presence. Jesus is the expression of God's manifest glory. You're talking about Jesus. So when Jesus shows up, begins to move on people's lives, and begins to love people, melt people, change people, that presence begins to break over you like a mighty wave. Something begins to change. That's a scripture in the Old Testament I'll just quote it, but there's there's one scripture in the Old Testament that talks about, it was almost my text for today, but it's too soon to go there. But it talks about deep calleth unto deep. Now that's that's an expression. I wonder what the psalmist was thinking when he wrote this. If you look at the whole psalm, Psalm 42, and you start going through it, which we might touch on as we get into the message or messages. He said, so the waves will keep breaking over me. As deep calls to deep. Sometimes there has to be a, a deep in you to call to the deep in God for God to break his wave over you so that you can go a little deeper in God but if there's nothing in you that ever calls out from the deep from the deep you know there's there's prayer and then there's prayer desperate prayer you know there's weeping where you might have been crying for something but then there's when someone sobs deeply. It, it's not a cry that is normal. It's a, it's a deep, deep, something in them went deep and their tears as you would not, it's so sacred you won't even talk with them. You won't even go near them. You will back off. No one has to tell you to do this. You understand they're in deep and it's private and you should not invade it. That's not normal crying. That's not normal response. That is something deep in a person. When you walk into a conversation and two people are having a deep conversation, you just simply back off. No one has to tell you. You just know this is, this is a little more than shallow here. I think I back off. Do you have something in you that is deep enough to touch the deep in God? Do do you have something in you that is a deep hunger, a deep thirst, a deep cry, a desperation? Something that is so desperate that you can't live without it unless you touch that part of God. That deep. That's something that the Bible refers to as deep waters. Here's scripture, Luke 5, 4, I'm taking just the one phrase. Luke 5, 4, where Jesus says to the disciples, push out, push out into the deep water. And that phrase just kind of got me. Now for them, it was to kept the fish and but really, he was telling them not just to catch fish. Push out to the deep. was a deep miracle? A deep faith? A deep encounter? Something's going to change in your psyche, your emotion, your understanding. The deepness was not just where the fish lived. There was going to be a deepness in them that would be honed out. And they would understand the supernaturalness of God. And the realm of faith and the realm of the impossible. He says to them, push out into the deep wasn't just fish. They were going to find something in Jesus that was life-changing. Push out into the deep water. Here's another scripture, Ezekiel 47. It talks about four levels of water. Ankle, knee, waist. And then it says, deep waters. Waters to swim in deep enough to swim in. I could liken worship, prayer, Christianity, life, relationships, uh, you know, wherever you want to go with it, ankle deep. You know, when you say to someone, well, you're just ankle deep. You know what they're saying, you're shallow. You don't have to, hey, what do you mean by that? You're shallow. So... The prophet is trying to describe something in the waiting out. Ezekiel 47, you might want to read it this week for your devotions. It's a great chapter to read in what I'm trying to talk about. Just read Ezekiel chapter 47 when he talks about the man who's wading out into the water and he goes to the ankle and it says the angel says, Go further, go further. And so the man wades out a little bit more and he comes up to his knees and he stops. Why? Because any further, it's going to be a lot more commitment than up to my knees. And the angel says, go a little further. And so then he goes up to his waist. Now he stops there and he says, that's as far as I'm going. The angel says, no, you have to, you have to push out further. No. Why? Because I'll lose my footing. I'm in control when I'm standing waist deep. I'm not in control if I take another few steps and I get into waters that I can't touch the bottom. The angel says, yeah, these are waters you have to swim. You have to now enter a whole new realm if you're going to push out to the deep. You lose a little bit of your own private personal control. But as you well know, wading in water and swimming in water, there's no comparison. You would much rather swim and have a great time. Just stay put on the shore because you're afraid. You can't see the bottom. And then you start going into the lake. You kind of slip and you go back because I don't know if I want to do this because I don't know what's down there. You have to kind of launch out into the deep. We're talking about worship. Here's another scripture for you. Deuteronomy 10, verse 7. Deuteronomy 10, 7. I hope you mark this one in your Bible. It's an odd scripture for me to use, but it's it's good. They moved from there. I I want you just to notice the wording. They moved from there. From where? Well, from Gadgoda, to Jatbatha. A land with rivers that don't dry up. Another translation says they went from from there they went to Gatgoda and then on to Jat baha This translation says a well. Watered place. It actually was a place of many brooks and springs, many, many pools of refreshing. Gadodah was the place in the desert where there was no water. It was a desert stop, but you could not survive there. You could not live there. You could not do anything there. But they moved from there to a place where there was lots of springs and rivers and water, refreshing. And there, the Lord does some mighty things in the Israelites. At that unknown place, you would have never heard of, but in that place, let me just say to you, I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to move from some desert places, some hot, trial, no-water places, to some places where there's brooks, springs, rivers, and rain, and you can live there for a long time because it's a livable, refreshing place. Can somebody say, hallelujah? Hallelujah. That you would move from to another scripture. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone... Who is thirsty? Here is water. Come, you that have no money. Buy grain and eat, but you don't have to have money to get it. Come buy wine and milk, but it's free. It will cost you nothing. All you have to have is thirst. That's it. The way you pay is be thirsty. If you want it, he just says, come. All you have to do is just come thirsty, come hungry, and it's free, it's yours. You don't have to have anything to buy. You just have to be thirsty. Psalm 42, verse one and two, another scripture. From the message translation, a white-tailed deer drinks from the creek. I want to drink, God, deep drops of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. I wonder will I ever make it arrive and drink in God's presence? Now I am talking to that person who reads this and this is you. Where you might say will I Will I ever get there? Will will I ever arrive in a place where God's presence is so real and so magnificent that I would be like the deer drinking at the water brooks, and I would be refreshed. It would be surreal. I hear people talk about it. I hear people say things. But honestly, I've I've never arrived there. I've never had that. I'm not even sure how to go there. I I don't want to sound stupid or sound shallow, but you know what, Frank? I I love what you're saying, but I'm just not sure how I get there. I, I want to encourage you. Jesus wants you there more than you want to get there. And Jesus... We'll make a way for you to arrive there if you would uncomplicate the process by just falling more deeply in love with Jesus. And just let that be your focus. Fall in love with Jesus. Last slide. Worship creates an atmosphere where God moves in. That's what I'm praying with his presence and draws us out into the deeper waters. When God moves in, we get drawn out. When God moves in, we begin to push out. Ankle, knee, waist. Okay, here I go. I'm going I'm to go into the deep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and wait all the way out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to wait out. When that happens, well, the presence of God comes. Stuff begins to happen. Because God moves in. We are a worshiping community. there's there's no doubt about that. Our worship is rooted in Jesus, in love, in presence, in Holy Spirit. Not rooted in self in talent that's rooted in that peace called loving Jesus. Close your Bibles. Waiting out into the deep. Why don't you all stand with me? How many of you would say, Pastor Frank, you know what? I'm ready to push out into the deep. Come on, can I answer? here? Are you ready to push out a little bit? Are you ready to let go? Let go of some stuff? Spread your hands out because it does mean something. It does mean something. Your hands simply say, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. You know what? I'm open for a life transformation. I'm, I'm open. I'm open to something to happen in me. Father God, right now, let the power of your presence capture the hearts of your people. Lord, let there be a drawing us out and a drawing us into the deep waters of presence, the love of Jesus. Lord, I want to know you. Let your fire come down, rest in my soul, burn up the dross. I believe you want to work in me in a mighty way.